Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Monday, September 24, 2012. Today we're reading from the big book. We're on page 30, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Penny E., Judy B., and Kim. And I can offer you two reference numbers. Friday's share code number from September 21st, 3049. And yesterday's share code, that's September 23rd. We had a speaker's meeting, Paula's story. That share code number is 3060. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Nicole to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for you. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now call on Adrian to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive Alveda who still suffers. Six, the OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, on page 30, the bottom paragraph. And I'm going to ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everybody. <coughs> Excuse me. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like any other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. I would like to share. Penny E. recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, 
this is this is this takes me back to fully concede, fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholic. Um, we are like men who have lost their legs. Once I admit that I am a compulsive overeater, there's no chance. There's no chance of getting to be not a compulsive overeater. Fully, I must fully concede to this. It says in here, physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. And I have to remember that that's 100% of the time, 24-7. It doesn't matter if it's a holiday. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing stripes going up and down and maybe I could eat a little extra. It doesn't matter if I'm in the hospital. You know, it doesn't matter. I have this disease all the time. And I have to remember that because it is patient. It is just waiting, waiting there to get me. Uh, just to be a little bit weakened, and boom. Um, we've tried every imaginable remedy, and I have. I've tried every imaginable remedy. Uh, I've had my jaws wired shut. You know, I've been on all kinds of pills and diet camp and lecturing and everything else. Nothing, nothing helped. Nothing. And I need to remember that on a daily basis, because if I forget what I am, I'm going to forget who I am. And it's all downhill from there. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead. It's Monica. Sharon and then Monica. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Good morning, Leah, and all of you on the line. I'd like to uh, look at that. We are like men who have lost their legs. And let's imagine for a moment what it would be like to have no legs. We have lost, who have lost their legs. In the morning when we get up, if you have no legs, before you even get out of bed, you have to realize that You cannot walk unless you do something to prepare yourself. Um, If you have no legs, perhaps you have to make sure that you have crutches. You have to, uh, uh, when you go to bed, you have to prepare. You have to take off the prostheses that you've been walking on all day. Um, You can't even move around. Uh, if you have no legs, unless you have support of some sort. If you have no legs, that's something that um, you always will need outside help. You you can never just depend upon uh, yourself, your body, your your own entity. You will always need to get some support of some kind. If you have no legs, a person with no legs can never forget that they have no legs because any time they, they try to even get up in the morning and think that they're going to just go for a little run like uh, normal people might do, they realize that not only do they have legs, they don't have feet, they can't do the normal things that people do. 
if they have no legs. And when I look at this paragraph, I think of what Bill, he wants to just drill it into us that we are like men who have no legs. We will never grow new ones. We will never be different. And so the gratitude for us today is that we have support, some outside support. We have this program that is like a pro, like prostheses. Prostheses are artificial uh, limbs that we can put on. We can put on this program, and it's something we have to do every single day. We have to do some care to our body, to ourselves, in order to support, uh, to gain the support that we have. And then once we do that, we can run. I'm reminded of the guy in the Olympics who had no legs, and yet he was able to compete in the Olympics. We can do those same things if we recognize that we have no legs, if we accept that we have no legs, and if we accept the support that we have uh, each day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Monica, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Here is a very, very strong statement here that um, Bill has, write, has written, or we have, have written. Those first 100 are, are all part of this, you know, their experience here. We never grow new ones. You know, they're trying to smash home a picture to us here that you've lo- we've lost our legs. And no matter how we try, we are not going to get new ones. That we are compulsive overeaters. And no matter what, we are always going to be a compulsive overeater. Nothing is going to change that fact. Nothing has there. Nothing was available then, back in the 1930s. There was no treatment of any kind that will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. And today, in 2012, there is still no treatment that will cure us of this disease. And yes, it is a disease. And like they say, we have tried every imaginable remedy. You know, these 100 that wrote this book and their experience. And all we have to do is stop and think a little bit about our own experience. You know, my own experience. Oh, yeah, you know, the diet pills, the diet clubs, the doctors, the hypnotism, the psychology, the the, um, um, psychiatrists. Um, you know, and in, and like it says, there was brief recovery. There was brief periods of time where I was able to put the food down. And, but then, you know, the obsession of the mind, that crazy thought, that lie would pop into my head that this is just the best idea all day I have to pick this up, was always fate was always followed by a still worse relapse. And isn't it amazing how it would be that way? And each relapse was 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 stronger and bigger and deeper, and we got there so much quicker. So, you know, and this whole chapter here is dealing with the mental obsession. It's dealing about with the experimentation that we do with this obsession of the mind. But there's hope, there's hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. 
Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this, this is Kim. This is Nicole. I heard Kim, I believe, Janice, and then Nicole. Thanks, Leah. Hi, everyone. My name is Kim. I am a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. There is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. You know, we so want just that magic pill, that moment where everything turns around. You know, and what they're saying here is this is a disability. And this is a disability that we have to accept. I love how Sharon mentioned the Olympic athlete who has no legs. You know, why was he able to excel like that? Because he was able to accept his disability and then work with that disability so that he could flourish in something that he loved. So if we have to accept that we have this allergy of the body, we have to accept that we have this obsession of the mind, and then we can take this treatment of the 12 steps and we can learn to flourish. But flourishing does not mean that we are, we are no longer compulsive overeaters. It means that we accept it, we take the treatment, and then we can, we can, we can flourish in a way we've never known. It says in some instances there have been brief recovery followed by a still worse relapse. I want to look at that word recovery. Well, what is recovery? Recovery is when we apply these steps. What I think they're talking about here is short periods of sobriety, short periods where we could stay on a diet and then we would get worse from the spring back because we're only treating the physical aspect of our disease. So I think often when we say in the rooms, relapse and recovery, relapse and recovery, it's not recovery. It's the progression of the illness. We're having periods of abstinence followed by worse relapse because we are not we are only treating the physical part of this disease. I, I often hear people say, well, I've been in and out of recovery for 15 years and I just don't get it. I think for most cases, if you look back, if they've been in and out of a fellowship for 15 years, in and out of going to meetings, in and out of staying on a diet, and that's, this disease is deadly. That is not going to treat the disease. When someone truly gets to recovery, it means they're getting in this book and they're applying these steps. And in that case, the disease will be removed. The, the obsession will be removed. But coming in and out of the fellowship and just going to meetings is treating the smaller part of our disease, and that's why it's always followed by a still worse relapse. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Janice, please. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Leah. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, what happens What happens when you read this paragraph? You know, can you identify? You know, that is the great, great blessing and goal of this book is to help me see whether this is true for me. Can I identify with the experiences of this first 100 recovered alcoholics? and the, their way of thinking, and what they used to be like. And because they are describing in great detail, and Bill paints this wonderful picture for us, yes, as everyone has said. You know, and it's a pretty grim picture. It's a pretty grim picture, someone who's lost their legs, and they will never grow back. They will never grow back. And that had to hit home with me. 
I don't know about you. You know, you may be out there listening today uncertain whether you're real compulsive overeater, whether you fit this description. But I know that I do. I know that I do because I am like a man who has lost his legs. I will never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make me like other men. You know, there ha- and I have tried every imaginable remedy, everything I could imagine, everything I could seek out, everything I, that was out there to try. And why did I do that? Why did I do that? Because I was in the grips of this progressive, fatal illness. And it got worse, never better. And I finally couldn't live in my own skin anymore without trying something. Because even when I was abstinent, even when the food was down, even when I was trying to control the amount I took and the frequency at which I took it, the inevitable always happened. It was indeed like holding my breath under water and inevitably I could not stand it anymore. And I would pick up the food once again. And so far, so far, there has been no doctor and no scientific way of dealing with this for me. I am a compulsive overeater. I know that. God help me today, I am a compulsive overeater. And it's a good bit of information to have. It's good information to have that this description fits me. This description fits me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Nicole, please. Hi, Alea. Hi, Vision for You. I'm Nicole. I'm a gratefully recovering compulsive, compulsive overeater. Um, when I read the first line about being like a man without any legs, it reminded me of a movie I had seen called Courageous, and this man had lost not his legs, but he lost his daughter. And he was in just such despair over it. And when he went to his pastor, the pastor said, in order to try to comfort him, he said, you know, when you've lost someone, it's like someone losing their arm or their leg, an amputee. You're never the same, but you do learn to move on. And I'm just so encouraged by that because in this program of recovery, like others have mentioned, we have the tools to move on with our life um, as somebody that has this issue. But yet, just like how Sharon and Kim were mentioning about the Special Olympics, your life could be even better than it ever was. I know for myself, I've only been in program for six months, and my life is changing in such a radical way beyond even the food that I'm, I'm thankful to God, thankful that he is right there helping me through this and um just wanted to just just mention you know how how grateful i am and just how thankful i am to know that i don't have to struggle without any legs i can ask god to give me the ability to still go forward even without legs and with that i pass thank you nicole thank you my name is leah i'm a recovered compulsive overeater i too wanted to comment on this statement we are like men who have lost their legs they never grow new ones, you know. Um, boy, I, you know, I spent, just like uh, the men and women, you know, who pen this experience, um, 
you know, I too had to come to accept this disability. I had to fully concede to my inner male self that I was one of these types. You know, I was a real compulsive overeater. And uh, I spent years defying it and denying it and delaying it. But that is my reality. That is my reality, that uh, I will never grow new legs. I am a compulsive overeater. Please, God, help me. You know, uh, my disease is chronic. My disease is progressive. And my disease is ultimately fatal. I had to accept that. My disease is chronic because it's a condition that never goes away. It never goes away. My disease is progressive because the symptoms always get worse, never better. It always gets worse over time. I can trace, you know, my uh, compulsive overeating career and see how over years it got worse and worse and worse. It never got better. And, of course, my disease is ultimately fatal because those who persist in the disease will die an early death due to the uh, complications associated with this disease. So this was my reality. This was my reality. It goes on to say, neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. I mean, that is true because science and medicine stand powerless uh, before this obsession of the mind. So what in the end, of course, was going to be able to conquer this obsession of the mind? Well, the big book. Big Book makes it very clear that I have a spiritual malady. I have a soul sickness. I have a gangrene of the spirit. And through engaging in the process of these steps, I had a spiritual awakening, just like these men and women who pen these pages. And having had a spiritual awakening, I was restored to sanity. And I was brought back to soundness of mind. And I was relieved of this obsession. And I was freed from the beast. And finally, after 20 years of mayhem, I could then walk this planet as a free woman. And that's why we study these pages every morning. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment before we move on to the next paragraph? Hi, this is Carolyn. Go right ahead, Carolyn, please. Thank you. Hi, I'm Carolyn, recovered compulsive overeater. And I know for me, you know, with um, losing the limbs, there's prosthetics out there, just like there's steps out there for me to be able to become recovered. You know, I, if I don't use the steps and the tools and the big book and everything that's available to me, it's like not putting a prosthetic on. I, I won't be able to walk. It just won't happen. I'll never be the same again, but at least I'll be able to walk once again. You know, and for me, that's what this means to me. It, it means that even though the prosthetics keep getting better, it's, it hasn't been able to make me normal again. It hasn't been able to grow me a new leg, and it never will. But I know for me that as long as I stay within this book and I stay and study on the steps, that I can have a better way of life. I can always know that I can never go back to being normal again, but I can always know that I can still walk as long as I do the steps with that I pass.
Hi, everyone. I'll continue here. Does anyone else want to share on that last paragraph that was read? Hi, good morning. Just press star one if you'd like to continue. Otherwise, we can move on to the next paragraph. Thank you. Thank you. With Judy B. Thank you so much. Good morning. This is Judy B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. And I would like to share on this uh, paragraph because it, it so beautifully describes what I went through for many, many, many years. Um, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. Self-deception and experimentation, that is what I did over and over and over. I would hear people uh, in program talk about the extremes that they had gone to, and I would think, oh, I haven't done that yet. I must not be one of them. But then the time would come when... Uh, I proved that I was a real compulsive overeater. You know, a holiday would come, I would pick up food that I couldn't handle, and I was I was off again. And um, we, we try to prove that we're exceptions to the rule, but it, it for me, it didn't work. I finally had to admit that I was one of us, and, and I'm so grateful that I did. Um, and we, we're saying here that, that everyone... Everyone is not the way we are. You know, you, you may not be one of us, but if you are, there is a solution here. And if you are not, if you believe you are not, go out and try some more eating. See if, see if you can control it. You know, you may not be one of us, but I am so grateful that I, without any reservations at all, I now know that I am a compulsive overeater. And I also know that I've found a solution, and um, and I'm so, so grateful for that. I, I tried hard enough and long enough to drink and, like other people, and it didn't work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else <laughs> like to comment on this paragraph? This, this is, is Katie. Susan. Katie, and there was someone else as well. Susan. Okay, Katie. Katie Lois Susan, thank you. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Um, and people can get try to change this word gentleman. And um, if someone can go back and eat like a gentleman, our hats are off to them. Well, a gentleman is a man of good social position, um, a man of noble birth, a polite or formal way um, it's a chivalrous, courteous, or honorable man. And, you know, that can apply to a woman, too. A person who's courteous, who's responsible, who's gentle. And I was none of those things. 
when I went back to the food. If I go back to the food, uh, you know, <laughs> I would love to think that I could just be uh, nonchalant about it, but my whole mindset, everything about me changes. I'm sitting here eating my Aspen breakfast right now, and nothing about me physically is changing. My head is not obsessing about eating more of what I'm eating. But that doesn't happen when I go back to the food. And the insanity is to think that I can go back somehow after some period of abstinence and go back and eat like a gentleman and eat like a decent, respectable person. Um, That's just not going to happen. And that acceptance has to come before I can move on with this program. And uh, they're going to give us a list of all the different ways that people try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. But, you know, <laughs> I, I had to accept that I was never going to be that exception, that I was never going to eat like a gentle person, like a gentleman, whatever. Um, there was no right about face for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Lois, please. Hi, good morning, everyone. Lois, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I, I, I want to check in on this um, paragraph where it says, despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they are in that class by every form of self-deception and experience, experimentation. They will try to prove themselves exceptions. And, you know, this just, like, goes right down to my toes to to describe myself and my life with compulsive overeating. And the thing that jumped out at me this morning was, you know, I could not not believe that I was in that class. For so, you know, so many long and and torturous years with, with food that I could not believe. And what I finally was able to learn and hear, by the grace of God, was, you know, that I was trying, I could not believe because my mind was, was uh, sick. You know, I had, I had a distorted mind, and I kept trying to figure out different ways to do it with my distorted mind. You know, so there was no way I was going to be able to believe, you know, what, what was going on with me. And it wasn't until I was led and able to, you know, get to the big book study of um, recovery, that I was able to hear and, and listen to what you believed, you know, because your minds were not distorted. Mine was. And I, the best thing I did was, and, and if there's anybody new and struggling, the best thing I did and the only thing I could do was I kept coming. And then soon or later it will happen, and it did happen for me. You know, the grace of God came into my life and gave me, um, a way to hear that, you know, I too could could be like you. I could recover. And I was able to take that leap of faith somebody mentioned a few weeks ago that was so, so different. I was never able to do that. So I know, for me, it was the grace of God. I was trying to work these steps, and I was willing, and I had given up. And and um, the, the leap of faith came from a power greater than myself. And I know that, you know, if you are here today and you're, you're, you're struggling like I was and many others are, that it too can happen to you. So just keep coming, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Susan. 
Or is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, please. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. You know, it is sometimes a very tough idea to swallow. You know, you, you hear this description of yourself and the disease, the insanity, the lie, the obsession that we have believed for so long can keep us from seeing the truth. It can keep us from seeing the truth. You know, it is a disease where despite the fact that it's being laid out for us so clearly and so succinctly here in the big book, there are going to be those who are not going to believe they are in that class. And I don't know what your path is. I don't know whether you are a compulsive overeater or not. And yet this information cut to the chase for me. It cut through all of that trying, trying, trying to prove myself an exception to the rule. It cut through that for me because I had tried every imaginable remedy. I had tried diet groups. I had tried doctors and psychologists. I tried products, Metrical and, and AIDS candies and all these things that I was, I was willing to try. I was willing to believe that might help. But I had to become willing to believe that I was like these people, you know, that I was in that class. And it took me being at the depths of despair in a desperate place because I was showing a lot of inability to control my eating, the inability to control his drinking. If you can do the right about faith and eat like a normal person, our hats are off to you. We say, go out and try it. Isn't that wonderful? Perhaps this is not your way. But if it is your way, if you do identify, you know, like us, heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. We have tried. You know, so the insanity, the lie, the obsession that was in my mind had to be smashed. That delusion had to be smashed. And this information kept hammering away at that delusion, at that lie that I was living in until I could see the truth. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Monica. Monica, and then Susan, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they are in that class. And I was thinking, um, you know, the law of gravity applies to all of us, whether we believe it or not. You know, we can't fight it. So whether we really, um, so I'm thinking, you know, don't fight this. It is what it is. It's just like the man with no legs. We're never going to be able to grow new ones. But you know, that's not the end of the world. And there is a life, a much better life beyond that. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Susan, please, you'll need to press star one. Thank you. I know. Sorry, it jumps off. This is Susan in Florida. 
compulsive overeater. This paragraph brings up a lot of uh, uh, memories for me. When I walked in the rooms in 1977, I had a sister who was very ill. She had leukemia. She had epilepsy. She had meningitis. She was retarded. She was sick. But I just had an eating problem. I just had, I couldn't stop eating compulsively. And over the years, I mean, I always went back to this thought that my sister was so sick, but I can control this. You know, I tried all the the experimentation, the self-deception. I even went to a place that was called the Schick, where you chewed your food and you spit it out and looked at it. I mean, these are gross things that I remember doing. And it cost me a lot of money also. But, of course, I was no exception to the rule. But I kept going back to the thing that my sister was ill and I wasn't. And it wasn't until I got into this big book study and started working with the sponsor who was told me that things will change, that I have to accept God, and God is, God is, God is, God is everything. And today, you know, it's been four months, five months, I'm into this, and... God is everything, and I am no exception to the rule. I am a compulsive overeater. I do have everything that the first 31 pages um, of this book has told me I am, and I don't have to deny that anymore, and I don't have to live in self-deception anymore. I'm just grateful that this book, after so many years of me sitting in these rooms, has come to life, and it's telling me what my problem has been. And now I don't have to eat at night, and now I don't have to do crazy things that I did before. Because I have accepted that I am a compulsive overeater, and I need God in my life to relieve me from the obsession. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. You know, looking at that word despite, what does despite mean? Uh, It means in spite of, notwithstanding, in defiance of. You know, in defiance, all we can say. You know, I didn't want to be one. You know, I did not want to be one. I was fighting the reality of who and what I was. So in in defiance of all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. What is a real alcoholic? What's a real compulsive overeater? Well, all I had to do was look back at my career of compulsive overeating. You know, maybe I started off as a moderate eater. Uh, maybe I continued to I was a hard eater, but at some stage. I crossed that invisible line where I began to lose all control of my consumption once I started to eat. I lost all control. So when it says here, by every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. What is the rule? The rule is that no real alcoholic, no real compulsive overeater ever recovers control. You know, and I fought that truth. I I don't know about you, but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater. You know, I didn't know uh, the depths to which this disease would take me. But I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater. This may surprise you, but my life goal was not to be here today on the phone speaking to you. (laughs) I had other thoughts for myself. Uh, But my reality is that I am one. How, How did I get to be one? That was that. 
that took a couple of years for me to figure out also. You know, I wanted to spend time figuring out how did I get to be one. Well, you know what? We, we don't have time to figure out how you got to be a compulsive overeater because this is not about medical science and this is not about psychology and this is not about Freudian concepts. We don't have the time to figure out how you got to be a compulsive overeater. I did not have the time to figure out how I got to be one because the truth was I was dying. The chances are I was going to die during the investigation. You know, I just had to accept who and what I was, throw in the towel, throw myself at this program, cleave to God, and follow directions. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Paula. May I share? Of course, Paula. Go right ahead. Thank you. I'm just going to go to that line. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. See, that was my goal always. I, tr- I want to drink like them, and believe me, no one is as creative as the compulsive overeater. Try hard? Oh, you bet I did. I did not want to fully concede. And long? ho oh, ho. You know, I'll tell you, the days went into weeks, the months, then the years. Trying long enough to drink like other people, but that was it. Only when it was long enough. And I just want to go back one, one, the sentence that said, by every form, there you go, there are creativity again, of self-deception. I deceived myself. I deceived myself. It didn't matter what I saw on the outside when they said full flight from reality. In experimentation, well, let me try this way, let me try. As I said before, we are very creative, very creative. But that was it. Why? To try to prove themselves an exception i wasn't the exception to the rule i wasn't the exception to the rule in admitting that i could go forward thank you for allowing me to share and with that i do pass thank you very much paula we're going to move on to the next paragraph now with kim please thank you thanks leah here are some of the methods we have tried drinking beer only limiting the number of drinks Never drinking alone. Never drinking in the morning. Drinking only at home. Never habiting in the house. Never drinking during business hours. Drinking only at parties. Switching from scotch to brandy. Drinking only natural wine. Agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job. Taking a trip. Not taking a trip. Swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath. Taking more physical exercise. Reading inspirational books going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting volunteer commitment to asylum, we could increase the list ad finitum. Wow. Hi, everyone again. My name is Kim. What a great paragraph. You know, every form of self-deception and experimentation. Here's the list. And, you know, as a compulsive overeater, I can relate to all of them. You know, not having breakfast, not eating during the day, only eating when I was sitting down, trying to only eat when I was in public. You know, drinking only natural wines. I remember going to all natural foods. I'll only eat it if it's organic. I'll only eat it if I buy it from the health food store. Agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job. Well, if putting all those limits, if this happens, I'll quit. If this happens, I'll quit. One of my favorites is taking a trip, not taking a trip, because it shows us it doesn't matter. You know, I can say, well, I, I can quit this job, or I can get, or I can stay at this job. 
I can get rid of my boyfriend or I can get a new boyfriend. You know, all these things, you know, you know, we have to admit we're beyond human aid. And here is all the list of human aid, all the ways that we've manipulated to say, this will make it better. This will make it okay. I can control it if only the environment around me changes. If I can get the environment to line up to be exactly the way I want it to be, then I can control this thing. You know, and we can try all of these. I know I've tried them all and many more. And I still couldn't get that beast off my back. You know, because the fact of the matter is, the only thing that's going to convince a compulsive overeater that they're a compulsive overeater is the food. You know, you can listen to this meeting every single day and hear wonderful people talk about recovery. But if you are not convinced by the food that you are a compulsive overeater, you're going to continue to reach out for all these forms of self-deception and experimentation. So if you are if you are not convinced, try another method. Go out there. See if you can control it. And if you are truly a compulsive overeater, you will be coming back and you'll be saying, okay, what now? Tell me what I have to do because I surrender. I surrender to this process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Margaret from South Jersey. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, Vision for You. Um, may I share? Of course. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. I just wanted to, I'm sitting here laughing because uh, the one that I really picked up on is uh, the reading of books. Oh, dear God. I could just tell how crazy I was by the number of books that were on the edge of my bed because I always was looking for that answer in a book. I love to read. And I, I just, I, it makes me laugh because I save a lot of money today. You know, I don't have that desire to run and to look in books because I never found the answer, though. Like all of us, you know, I tried. And, you know, we all tried so very, very hard. And that's what I love is the honesty is that we can all share that we've tried it all and none of it worked because I, I really am that real compulsive overeater and had to concede to my innermost self and um, and then that's when a new life begins. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Hi, this is Christy. Christy, go right ahead. Hi, good morning, Leah. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, <laughs> there's a sign at work when I walk in the door that, you know, because they're promoting health at work because obesity is epidemic in this country. And certainly, you know, my place of employment is trying to get a healthy, a healthy um, group of employees. And, and it says, eat less and feel better. Eat less and feel better. And um, those words are meaningless for someone like me in active addiction. You know, just like all of the methods I tried, it didn't matter what I tried. I mean, I tried, you know, the details are different, of course, in my list as they are with many of us. But, you know, all of the things I tried, they, they weren't just my ideas. You know, they weren't just my ideas, although I had some very, you know, brilliant ideas, just like I've heard others mentioned you know, eating only only health food and not eating until after 4 o'clock in the afternoon or eating a solid breakfast and a solid lunch and then continuing, you know, binging my brains out until I couldn't take any more. Um, 
you know, but they were they were suggestions that were given to me by well-intentioned professionals. You know, here's a nice moderate food plan, Christy, that you can follow. Well, you know what? I can't. I can't. You know, even I mean, you know, I I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And you know, I certainly have my decades of trying all of these things. You know, the list goes on ad nauseum for me. Ad nauseum for me of things I tried. And it finally got to the point for me and I don't remember when it was. It wasn't, you know, I didn't have this rude awakening and say, "Wow, I'm going to you know, get into a 12-step program now. I just stopped trying these things because they didn't work. The hope was taken from me a long time before I actually picked up the big book. I had no hope. I was not trying anything anymore because nothing worked. Nothing worked. I wasn't going to try weight loss surgery, you know, the third go-round of whatever people were doing. I wasn't going to try pills. I wasn't going to try diet clubs. I stopped trying anything. I stopped trying anything. And I stayed in that desperate, desperate, hopeless place until finally, finally, my disease had done its job. And I said, I've had enough. I have had enough. I don't want to live like this for one more day. I don't want to spend one more minute of my life in this misery and pain. Not one more minute. Anything, anything has got to be better than this. Anything has to be better than this because I can't take it anymore. My disease had done its job. And there was no lingering notion that there was anything else out there that might work for me. Because I too did not want to be here in a 12-step program. I was a little too cynical and jaded for the 12 steps. But my disease did its job. And it got me here desperate, desperate. And all I had to do was ask for help. Can you help me? Can you help me? And I was given all the help I needed, all the help I needed. I extended my hand and people grabbed it and pulled me into the lifeboat. And I am so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny E., would you read that for us? Page 164, please. Yes, Leah, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you, more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.